Welcome to the What's In My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and thanks for checking out the audio format of our show. If you want to watch these episodes, check us out on YouTube. Just type in youtube.com slash what's in my head podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as I bring you a piece of your childhood each and every week. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button here as well as on YouTube. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms. That's where I'll ask you, the fans, to drop a question or two for our upcoming guests. You can find us on social media by searching at In My Head Pod. If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the What's In My Head podcast today. Not for the first time, that's because you guys can't see that episode yet, but for the second time, John O'Howard's back here, one of the co-writers for the Ed Boys. John O'Howard, are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? Oh, it's always a great day when I get to talk to somebody that worked on the Ed Boys. And not just a somebody, man. You were one of the long mainstays, you and Mike. And no pressure at all. I bring up Mike because he's got the most rated views on the episode so far. So we got to make sure we beat Mike. And I'm talking to Mike later tonight again. So we got to make sure when we post your episode, which we'll start posting all of February, is going to be nothing but the Ed Boys. So you... Um, your episode, Mike's episode, um, Joel Dickey, and then uh, Big Jim, he's going to come on as well. So all of February is going to be dedicated to the Ed Boys, man. If you guys don't know who the Ed Boys are, first off, shame on you. Second off, you can check it out on HBO Max now. Um, so I guess we're going to start how we always start, really. And uh, since most people won't get to know um, or probably see the episode we shot, we shot a Christmas episode. Um, they got flagged completely for copyright infringement or not copyright infringement. Cause that would mean I'm going to jail or going to court to see some people. Um, it got just flagged essentially for copyright. We had some sound in there that we weren't supposed to have. We can't scrap that episode. So it's yeah. going to be kind of like a reboot, if you will, or a reshoot with uh, Jono. But um, like I did with everybody else, man, I would love to know how you really got your start in animation writing for animation. I got my start on a show called Reboot. Hmm. You remember that show? I don't. It was was, uh, the first uh, computer animated TV show for kids, Reboot, on Alliance Atlantis. I, it was kind of a funny story. I was, it was, would have been about 1994 maybe. Hmm. And uh, I didn't have any credits, right? And, uh, you know, how do you get in? It's all, it's the, it's the big question, right? When you're a writer, an actor, whatever, you know, how do you get into the business? And uh, I'd been hanging around with a bunch of guys who had a computer animation company. And this was at the time when computer animation was super new. Yeah. And uh, no, you know, it was like weird, you know, <laughs> and you started to see commercials on TV that are CG. And uh, one of them got hired to work at this company called Mainframe. And, uh, I said, uh, get me the Bible for the show. Yeah. And he said, okay. And then I thought, oh, I'll write a spec script and maybe they'll hire me. So he got me the Bible and I read it and I wrote uh, a spec script and uh, gave it to him. And he said, I'll give it to one of the creators. And he gave it to one of the creators. And he said, the creator <laughs> threw it in the trash can <laughs> right in front of him and said, get out of here. And so he said that he went and hid in the hallway and the guy left his office and he went in and took it out of the trash and uh, gave it to the story editor 
who was a guy named Lane Reichardt and uh, Lane liked it and I got hired. So it, it's, it's funny, your first foray into, you always hear those horror stories or those war stories, right? Where you're like, how'd you break in? Well, I tried really, really hard. And then they just threw my shit in the trash and they pulled the guy to get out. There's, there's, there's something, I don't want to say like a poetic justice because you ended up going from this dude taking shit you worked on, throwing it in the trash to working on one of the biggest and my favorite Cartoon Network cartoons of all time, the Ed Boys, Ed, Ed and Eddie. Um, we'll get to that in just a second. But what I would love to know, like when he told you that, man, what was the first thought that went to your head? He's like, man, what a dick. The guy, obviously, that threw in the trash. Or were you like, well, shit, man, they didn't even look at it. Were you having second guesses at that point? Should I try to something else? And before you get to that story, real quick, because I know what the Bible is. You know what the Bible is. We're not talking religion, ladies and, uh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what is a cartoon Bible? Just so we can make sure that they know what was going on. Oh, I probably have some around here somewhere. It's it's um, it's a pitching thing that well, there's several. There's a pitch Bible, which is a, a small document for you to go to networks and pitch your show to them, mm -hmm. and which has the concept and the designs and stuff. And then once a show gets picked up, you got to do a bigger Bible, and that's like more and more detail so that you can give it to writers and they can understand what the show is about before they start writing so okay so that's what a bible is ladies and gentlemen i just want to make sure like why why why, why would they throw a bible into the trash can i wish so. it, <laughs> I'm here somewhere. not really prepared oh, oh here's an old one this is like a, sh a show i did for the cbc in canada called yamroll with a friend of mine john eisen mm -hmm. and you you can see it's just it's just writing and drawings and you just sort of get, you know, explain the show. So, so when, that's show when, you, when you come on to start writing for a lot of these things, is that the first thing that they give you? Or is it like when you go on audition for a script, so you hear people, they'll come in, they'll get a script. They'll say, this is what the lines we want you to say. And obviously it's two different avenues in your, in your line of media here. So you got your voice acting and writing, I'm trying to make a comparison just so it's easier for me to see and understand how the whole process works, at least behind the scenes. So when you get a Bible and you're actually on a show and you don't have some asshole creators throwing your shit in the trash, um, when they hand you the Bible, is that something that the creator and the network that they're trying to work on are collabing together? Or is the Bible hundred percent created by the creator and then it's vetted through the animation process. Do they have any input as far as the Bible goes when the show first starts? No, I mean, when, when uh, a show is in development, mm -hmm. the creators and the network are going to work on the show. And there's going to be notes and rewrites and notes and rewrites endlessly until the network's happy with it. Yeah. And uh, Green lights it. And at that point, the show Bible's final. Will it ever be updated? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. It could be. Like it could, new characters, I'm sure. So. Yeah, it could be updated if if because some you know first seasons of shows everything's not nailed in stone. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you look at the first season of Seinfeld or even the first season of the Eds. Yeah. Some characterizations are a little wobbly. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because because yeah. everybody's trying to figure it out. Right. So it takes a while to figure out. Yeah. 
going back to that original question that kind of spawned off three different questions, what was that initial thought when your friend told you, yeah, you just threw it in the shit, you just threw the shit in the trash and then you know, I waited? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hold it against the guy. I mean, I, I, I don't know what was said. You know, maybe, maybe he said, hey, I got a friend who wants to write. And he said, well, has he ever written for anything before? <laughs> and maybe he said, no. And he said, get out of here, <laughs> right? You may, you know, uh, who knows? I, I don't hold any grudges or anything. The, the guy who took it out of the trash, uh, his name was Jimmy Hayward. And he actually went on to get hired at uh, Pixar. Mm-hmm. And he worked on Toy Story. Um, wow. And he worked at Pixar for uh, quite a few years. And then I think he co-directed Horton Hears a Who when he left uh, <laughs> Pixar. I don't know what he's doing. Man, right I don't now. think hey, he has to hey, do hey, it. Hey, Jimmy. He doesn't have to do anything. I said he doesn't have to do anything at this point. I mean, he worked on Toy Story, so he's got Toy Story money. Not saying he went out and did everything for it, but I'm pretty sure the residuals on that one is quite nice. And then you got Horton Hears a Who, which is a fantastic movie. Um, I'm pretty sure he's, you know, he's relaxing at this point. I'm assuming. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen him in decades. So. Oh really? So well, I mean, yeah. maybe maybe this will be a rekindling of your friendship or a reconnection. Maybe. So who knows? But nonetheless, man, so you went from that, right? So going back to that, just for a second, you didn't hold any grudges, but like, what was, what was going on in your head? Did you like, I want to try to write better now? Or did you have any kind of like, man, my first time up? Well, no, he, he did that all in one day. Oh, okay. Like he, he came back and I said, so, and he said, oh, you know, the guy threw in the trash and I, I waited and I took it out and then I gave it to this other guy. And uh, he liked it. So he's going to be in touch with you. Like he told it to me all at the same time. So oh, okay. That's cool. I didn't know if you were waiting for weeks and shit. You're like, oh man, no. I'm really trying to get this guy on the phone. Right. So, but what, what is, how has the process changed as far as, you know, for you in a sense, when, when you go and write something and they give you that Bible, what kind of notes or who are you working with when you start writing episodes of these shows you're working on? Well, you're, hmm. It depends. I mean, you're probably working with the, the story editor. If you're just a, a hired writer, you're working for the story editor. But sometimes there's also a junior story editor. Like nowadays, it's a thing to have like a junior story editor and then uh, the main story editor who may or may not be the showrunner. Like sometimes the showrunner is the director. Sometimes the showrunner is somebody else, like, like the creator. Yeah. Uh, arranged to be the showrunner but they're not the story editor like it, it can be different things it seems a little confusing it seems like we just got to give this guy a job so he can take all the you know the medial tasks the stuff that i don't want to do uh like talking yeah. to this guy over here you can talk to this guy i'll talk to this guy let me just do my type of job um yeah. but, but nonetheless man so let's let's flash forward a little bit so you go from that man what's your next step or what was your next avenue what was the first thing you came into after you were talking to the story editor oh well i think he just gave me a call and said hey i really liked your spec and uh would you want to do another one and i said yeah so we just went from there and i think i ended up doing about six episodes of that show and then um i moved on to uh danny's show um the brothers grunt Mm-hmm. that was on MTV and uh, that, that was an interesting show um How that so? was an well I don't know have you ever seen it 
I've seen one or two what they have on YouTube type of thing, and uh, it's your your term loosely interesting. Uh, it, it it was interesting if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird show. I mean, they it was a weird show. I mean, Danny did a bumper for MTV mm-hmm. that was just a bunch of guys taking a crap on a toilet. That's what the bumper was. And then the MTV logo fell into a toilet bowl. Wow. MTV, MTV liked it and said, we want you to make a show out of it. <laughs> so that's where that came from. And Danny and Dennis Heaton, who was his producer at the time, came up with this bizarre show about these albino monks that were grown in the fat folds of this giant floating monk like it was so weird (laughs) so i I think mike i can't remember i'd have to go back and listen to the episode because i i whenever i'm done with an episode i always listen to it again like right after like so once we hit end and pause and then you go about living your life and doing what you're doing for the day i'm sitting here listening so i listen for things like where I could have shut the fuck up more, where I could have asked better questions or what kind of questions because I've gotten my point out a little bit more eloquently, right? So when when something like this happens and, and I watch these videos, all of the, the, the data or whatever, it kind of gets jumbled into, it was probably this episode or it was probably this episode. But I think Mike said that uh, either him and Danny or he was friends with Danny's brother or vice versa. I can't remember how- I think it was Mike's brother was friends yeah. with Danny. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, yeah, that's the way it went. So were you go, going around the same circles as far as Danny and Mike growing up or were you an outsider brought in down the road? No, I was like an outsider. I, yeah. I honestly, I can't remember how I got introduced to AKA. I honestly don't remember how that happened. Like I, I must've been through a common acquaintance or friend but i i can't remember did you guys but i remember that what's that did you guys hit it off right out right out of the gate or yeah sure yeah sure. <laughs> I, I mean i fit in there right aka aka i mean is a very unique place in the animation world and uh you either fit in or you don't yeah. or you get you get spit out with like facts <laughs> <laughs> So I guess I fit in, yeah. Although I'm, di- I am, kind of different from everybody else, aka. But how so? Everybody at AKA is generally into like punk rock and yeah. loud music, and and I'm a lot more like Ed Double D, labeling <laughs> everything, keeping everything quiet. So. When, when you write, because I asked Mike this question, because I am super interested, especially when it comes to like writers or artists or musicians, especially, like how do you guys get in the mindset uh, for doing your, doing your work or, you know, taking your craft and really becoming a master of it? So when you said you like labeling and everything's quiet and everything's neat and everything's organized, how do you get inspired to go and write? Do you have music on in the background as far as white noise? Do you have a fan or a TV show or how do you get in the mood to really write? Well, I, I can only speak for myself, but when I'm writing, I don't like any disturbances of any kind. I actually have, you know, some Bose um, noise canceling headphones yeah. and I'll, I'll put them on with no music, just, just to kind of shut everything out. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't like having any disturbances. What is it? You just, do you just feel like it, it not, I don't want to say breaks your train of thought, but does it take you away? Does you feel like you're not yeah. giving a hundred percent of you into your story or? Well, when you're writing a, a scene or a, or a series of scenes, it's a train of imagination, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. And the train doesn't just start going like it sits in the station and then there's a point where you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. And the train starts moving slowly at first and it picks up speed. Mm -hmm. That's literally what it's like. So when, when someone's interrupting it, you got to kind of go back to the first step all over again. And it's really frustrating. Like if the phone rings or something and, and you're like, what? <laughs> now I got to go back into the station. You know, I was flying. So have you ever... When you, when you had that, or when it comes to just not being able to flesh out that idea, I don't like using that term writer's block because it, it really makes it seem like I know what the fuck you guys go through. And I really don't because you guys do something different than I do. That'd be like you coming into, and maybe you're super well-versed in the restaurant, but it'd be like you coming into what I do and like, hey man, do this, this, that. And then, you know, you got to do it quietly or you got to do it this way. So everybody has their idiosyncrasies, their, 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 um, what's that word? They have their ticks or the, the way they like to do things. However, sure. when you've got something like that that happens, like a phone ringing, um, when you're in the middle of that thought, what are some of the steps that you do specifically to like trace back and kind of push that locomotive to start steaming again, you know, full head of steam type of thing? Like I said, you just got to kind of go back. Yeah. <laughs> get your bearings all over again, right? Like I literally have to back up and reread what I wrote previously and then go, okay, okay, yeah, this is where this was going. Because whenever you're writing a scene, there's there's so much to track, really. Mm -hmm. Like you gotta track each character's voice and what they would do under the circumstances of the scene. And yeah. then the overall point you're trying to make with the, with the story point, you know, you're trying to make with the scene. And make it all seem natural and not forced, you know? Yeah, I got you. Um, so kind of dovetailing or segueing, if you will, into uh, into the Ed Boys. So when you're trying to find a voice for the character, let's just say you talked about uh, Double D. And on our last episode, you mentioned how you were more like him than any other character specifically. Probably, um, yeah. Was that always the case? Like when you saw these characters, you read the Bible and you saw the breakdown for each individual character. Did you just pick, not pick the character in a sense of like, this is me, but you start seeing all these differences because you're building the world around them. You've got a basic pedigree information on what Double D, you know, does or doesn't do his likes, his dislikes. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure it looks almost like a Tinder profile, but you're just not trying to fuck Double D. You're just trying to figure out to get inside his head and stuff. Right. So when you're writing a character that's already been developed, not developed, but already been established to an extent, you brought in to write and enhance and just bring the world alive. You're trying to make something that's flat into three-dimensional, right? Yeah. What is that like trying to get into the mind of a character for you specifically? Well, it's really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it's not I mean, if it's your character, if it's a show you created, it's way easier. But if it's somebody else's show, it's almost like you're trying to get inside their head. Yeah. Right. And, and that's really the secret for working for other people and making them happy is figuring out what they like and what they think is funny. And uh, that takes time. And 
and like I said, the first season of a show is it's really difficult, like to know what's going on, right? Or yeah. or like where where's the vein of story that this show is working? <laughs> you know, like it's like you're digging in the dirt and you're looking for a vein of gold, and like it's down here somewhere. I don't know where it is, right? And uh, I mean, the Bible, the show Bible for the ads was like notoriously thin really yeah like danny sold the show to linda saminski um with like one page holy shit is that it, a record it was, <laughs> it's something that probably will never happen again i mean she'd been bugging him that she wanted a kid show from him right and he i think at first he was like no and then she was like come on I dare you or whatever. <laughs> and then, and so he's like, all right. And uh, I know, I'm pretty sure that he just, there was a, a page and it was just the three ads and it said, puberty is unforgiving. <laughs> and that's literally it. And he faxed it to her and that was great. Let's do it. Was it a joke or was he being serious? That's what he was going to, I got to assume he's just like, I, if he doesn't want to do it at that point, or he's like, are you serious type of thing? I got to assume that's like a, not an F you in a sense that fuck you. I don't want to no, do that. It wasn't like, a, I think he was actually, he was actually like going, okay. Okay. You know, he was yeah. actually doing it. Like <laughs> I'll do my version of a kid show. And uh, obviously it worked really well. That's an understatement by any stretch of the imagination. This man, ladies and gentlemen, if you couldn't tell by this, this is one of the most humble. You're one of the most humble people I have ever had on this podcast. Most of the time, it's a, it's a show of egos between mine and somebody else's. I. It's very refreshing to talk to somebody. It's like, yeah, man, it did okay. It did pretty good. Very even keeled. You know, I like my quiet. I like my labels. I like everything <laughs> organized. I like that. I like. I said, it's just very, very refreshing. Um, but going back to that, man, so what was some of the things on that one page? Did you ever get to see that one page as far as the Bible goes or the very thin Bible that you were talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, you know, he, he sent me, I think, do you remember when the show debuted? I can Google it real quick. I want to say oh. before 2000. I want to say 99. Yeah, it would have been like 99. Uh, I got it right here. Yeah, January 4th, 1999. So. 1999. Oh, okay. Because uh, I believe it was March when I first heard because I'm pretty, I have a memory of being in Palm Springs for mm -hmm. spring break with my family because we always yeah. go down to Palm Springs and um, him calling and going, let's do this. And I was like, what? <laughs> And uh, he sent me the Bible and it was literally like there was a picture of Ed, you know, pick an Ed, <laughs> picture yeah. double D. And it was like one sentence or two sentences mm -hmm. describing him. That's that was funny. it. <laughs> and normally with show Bibles, there's like a page. For each character? Yeah. That's so <laughs> when we got to like writing... You know, we were like, well, who are these guys, <laughs> right? All we have is one sentence saying, you know, Ed Double D, he likes science and Band-Aids and he labels stuff <laughs> in his room. And we're like, that's it? That's all we got to go on, you know? So it was a real process of figuring out, like, 
what was in Danny's head, like what, what he had in mind. And I think Danny was, you know, figuring out as he went along too. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a great point when you've got little to work on. It's so much fun to build, you know, an entire universe, if you will, um, on, you know, something, like I said, it was very, it's, it's crazy, especially talking to the people I've talked to and you find out like some of the guys I've had on where they're talking about just a character. They're not even a right. They're just going into audition for a voice, right? They want to get this job. They go in there and not specifically for the show, but like just like Ninja Turtles, right? So I was talking to one of the guys and he comes in and he was like, yeah, they had like a full front page. Some of them had two and three page bios on, you know, their likes, their dislikes, what they're looking for as far as the sound goes and all this other shit. And to right. find out that it was just like, yeah, man, it was like a, maybe a sentence, maybe two, who knows if he was feeling a little frisky, might've been a three, who knows? It's just crazy to know the longevity of this cartoon. I mean, it went till 2008 is when the last episode aired. And I mean, you guys, I can't remember the, the actual number account. Maybe it'll be right here when I look at it. Nope. I'll have to actually look at it and pull it up. Can't, do you remember it right off the top of your head how many episodes? Oh, episodes? No, I, I guess it was seven seasons, three half-hour specials, and one movie. Okay, yeah. So, uh, just looking at it, so I don't know the difference between seventy episodes and one hundred thirty-one segments is what it's listing as, um, and then it'll have uh, it'll have the movies as well. I don't know what segments is, but it's got that right next to it. So I'm assuming they take a full episode as an hour. And then segmented. Oh, maybe maybe it's a half hour with two elevens, right? Yeah. So um, I think they were counting as far as seventy episodes go as a full hour. So two episodes for that hour, because when you do the math, it's almost the same numbers and segments as it would be for a half hour program. Who knows, man? I failed math quite a few times in high school. Um, It was not my 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 best subject, and these guys here don't have it listed too well. But nonetheless, man, let's get back to the Ed Boys. so you start writing this, right? Did you instantly connect with Double D the most as far as writing stories or was it somebody else at first? I don't know that I connected with anybody right off the bat. It was just <laughs> a matter of, you know, what type of stories does Danny want to tell with these guys? And it took a while to figure out. And I think, God, I think we were working like, like not having much success. And then one day I just had this visual of the other two ads lowering a single D into a dumpster, like on a rope to collect bottles. And uh, Danny really liked that. And I was like, okay, okay, we got something, you know, <laughs> we hit pay dirt, you know? So that scene was like the first thing that he ever approved or liked <laughs> so, so with, with 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 this and you have such little to go on and you're trying to build like a world you're trying to build yeah. this guy's idea right so what would a normal day when you guys are going through the throws and trying to find that gold vein that you mentioned earlier like what would a normal day look like i mean you get there around eight or something you don't have to go you know 100 into details as far as like we did this at eight we did this at nine but would you guys just sit around a table and just start throwing ideas and then you'd pick the best ideas and then try to write and expound upon those or? No, I, there was no writer's table. Um, I mean, it's really hard to remember back then, mm. um, but it was just me at a desk. Right? 
<laughs> Danny insisted that I, like I wasn't used to being in studio, right? Most of the time writers are at home. Okay. But Danny was like, no, like you got to be in the studio because you got to be in the milieu of, of the show and the atmosphere and, yeah. and how are you going to get it if you're at home? And at first I was like, what? This is crazy. But then I, real, then I realized like, you know, this is a smart idea. And I learned like way more than most writers learn by being in the studio during the production, right? And I had a desk just right in the middle of everything, right? It's a big open studio. It's not like everybody has an office, yeah. you know? Like there were a few rooms, but it was mostly pretty open. And uh, it was hard for me to write there because music was blasting, right? <laughs> All day long <laughs> and really loud, obnoxious music, right? Mm -hmm. And I think in, I described it as a writing in the middle of a mosh pit. <laughs> That's what it was like. And it took, it was really hard, you know, at first because I like to block things out, right? And yeah. I'd be like, ah, I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. Turn it off or turn it down or something. But you, uh, I just got used to it. Did you ever feel like you were, I don't want to sound, I'm just going to ask it. Did you ever feel like, obviously you felt out of place because all these other guys were into a specific mu music or like you said, it was like working in a fucking mosh pit. Yeah. Did you feel like you wouldn't last long there? Or did you have a feeling like, I, I, I can work with this. I can get past this type of stuff. I can do what I need to do. Or was it just like, ah, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Oh, no, I, I never thought I couldn't handle it. I was yeah. just like, okay, this is different. Let's go. You know, <laughs> and, and there was all sorts of, I mean, it was in kind of a nasty part of town. Mm. The, the second studio, the very first, even the, first studio I guess was in a place called Gastown in Vancouver which is a lot of addicts yeah. around and and stuff like that <laughs> it can get pretty wild at times and uh there used to be like all sorts of stuff like there used to be wrestling matches at the end of the day <laughs> to the storyboard artists everybody would get in a circle and there'd be a big wrestling match to see who could pin who there <laughs> It was, it was crazy times. Who would usually win? Oh, it was just different, different guys. I, yeah. I never wrestled, you know, like no? Ed Double D doesn't wrestle. I can just imagine you fucking throwing a chair at somebody and just taking them out. So I was hoping, but uh, that that's interesting. Cause that goes to show you something. It's when I hear that type of stuff, right. Um, it feels like, and I guess I'm just trying to, you know, put myself in that situation and try to really understand what was going on, the atmosphere. It really felt like it was more, instead of a job, it felt like you were going to a family event. Like everybody's sitting here. You've got the weird uncle, the weird cousin, the weird brother, the weird sister, like all these different eclectic personalities like the Ed boys and the supporting cast for all of the characters like Rolf and Yaz and all these other crazy people, including the Kenker sisters. Um, and then you guys got all of that inside. You're seeing that like it live. You're seeing all this shit going on. So I got to assume all of this stuff kind of not only enhanced the story, but really put the heart and the soul that Danny's vision had that you guys took. It, that's what it feels like to me, at least. You guys were put in a situation where you're like, holy shit, this is what we're doing now. We're wrestling for 
ideas or wrestling just to blow off some steam and we're just having fun and we're going to get back to it. Did it feel like that? Did it feel more of like a family-esque than a job? I guess in the end, I would say it felt like family, <laughs> but it really, it really felt almost like a party. Yeah. Like, you know, Danny's an old, uh, an old punk rocker, like, like uh, original punk rocker. And, and he very much cultivated that vibe yeah. in the studio. Like, uh, just to give you an idea, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Um, like I mentioned, there was a stereo in the, in the main room, always blasting music. And after a while, it started to not work so well. <laughs> so one day we were at lunch and uh, it was myself and Danny and, and a few of the storyboard uh, seniors. Uh, not all of them, but like a handful. Yeah. And someone said, hey, Danny, we need a new stereo. You know, the, the other one's falling apart, right? And he said, okay, after we finish eating, we'll go buy a new stereo. So we went to an electronic store and bought a new one, right? And, and then Danny's like, hey, I got an idea. And uh, he says, Big Jim, who you're going to talk to later. Yeah. You will we'll all go in. Nobody say anything about the new stereo everybody go back to work and after about 10 minutes big jim you get up and pretend you're having a breakdown and pick <laughs> up the old stereo and smash it to pieces right <laughs> and we're all like yeah yeah let's do this right so everybody goes back to their desk and we're all like sitting there Yee -hee -hee. and then after about 10 minutes big jim like gets up and like smashes his table and he's like again take it anymore and he picks up the stereo and smashes it on the ground and starts stomping on it and uh i think joel dickey who wasn't at the lunch jumped up and started smashing it too <laughs> even though he wasn't in on the joke right <laughs> and uh and of course everybody else in the studio is going like holy shit like <laughs> Do we need to call 911? <laughs> and then everybody started laughing and Danny came out and said, hey, we got a new stereo. And of course, got a big laugh. That's just the type of stuff that happened at AKA. That's, that's what I'm talking about, the family mentality. Joel, and I, I, had, to, I had to cancel on him yesterday. I had to, they got called in for, for work shit. Um, so that, that one sucked because I was really looking forward to having some of the artists on, but I'm going to reschedule with him and bring him back on. But that's what I meant by family mentality. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He just knows his friend, Big Jim, is smashing the shit out of this thing office space style. So he's going to be like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to start stomping the radio. That is fantastic. And that is 100% a family atmosphere. It is amazing. I, thank you for sharing that story. That's, that's, that's awesome. So... Well, Joel, Joel is a skater, so. Yeah? Yeah, he had that in him. That's, that, that's good <laughs> to know. Destroy stuff. <laughs> Break down the establishment. Um, yeah. But yeah, so going back to, I can't remember how we, how we got on that, but I really enjoyed that story. But nonetheless, we were talking about, you know, getting into the character and getting into the vibe and, and, and the work atmosphere and everything like that. Um, Going to just past that, but what were some of your favorite episodes to really work on? Whether it was yours that you wrote, co-wrote, or, or maybe it was somebody else's. What are some of the ones that really stick out to you looking back now? 
episodes. Ep- you know, it's it's easier to remember the specials because mm-hmm. they were special. <laughs> they call them special. Um, but I do remember those because those you could kind of step outside the regular storytelling. Yeah. And like, oh, we got to do a Halloween show. You know what I mean? Like, this is going to be so cool. It's Halloween and all our characters are trick-or-treating or whatever. And I really enjoyed the Valentine show. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like that show a lot. Ed Double D got to fall in love. Yeah. Uh, for half an hour. <laughs> and uh, Jimmy and Sarah is Cupid's. I, 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 that was fun. I mean, the movie was fun, too. Really like the opening, like the big car chase. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any of the regular season episodes that stood out. Like the, it, they all just blend together. Yeah, you understand in oh, a big yeah, match. Understand. Plus, I'm asking you to really think about something twenty years ago at this point, as far as the inception twenty one years ago, and then you've got. I keep thinking it's 2020 for some reason. So anytime I sit here and do math, I'm yeah. No, it's 2021. So I got to add an extra year. So, I mean, it went off fucking 12 years ago at this point. So trying to ask you guys, uh, you know, what, Hey, what was the favorite thing or what was that? Seems kind of a little sandbagging, like I'm setting you up for failure type of thing, but you brought up some stuff that, that, that was really cool though with the Valentine's. What was it so much? Was it just the fact that you got to step out and do something different for that 30 minutes or was it just the entire episode was just so fun? I think it was the idea of Double D being having a crush because there were special circumstances, right? Because the Cupids, I think they hit him with their arrows, and that's what caused him to kind of no have a, yeah, have a crush. So it was there was like a little bit of, of magic mm-hmm. to that one. You know what I mean? Whereas you would never see that. Mind you, you did see that with the Boomerang episode. That was a weird episode. And I, I can't remember how that developed. You remember that one where the this Boomerang kept getting passed around? And then it would... I remember it being passed around. I just don't... What I need to do is I need to go back and watch the entire series. Because my kid's to that age where I was at when I discovered the show. Um, and he's starting to pick up like little shows that I watched. Like I tried for so long trying to get him to watch the stuff I wanted to when I was younger. And what I've learned is if I want him to watch something that I want to watch, I'll come up into my office or something like that. And then I'll watch something and then I'll call him up here. I'm like, Hey, Hayden, come up here for, for whatever. And I was like, Hey, give me a hug. So I'll give him a hug or some shit like that. And first thing he looks, he's like, Oh, what are you watching? And I'll tell him, Oh, I'm watching Ed, Ed and Eddie. He's like, what's Ed and Eddie about? Go get a chair, young man. We're going to sit down and we're going to watch what Ed, Ed, and Eddie is about. So that's how I've started introducing him to a lot of the shows that I grew up loving and all the shows that I've started watching now. So much easier than when he was younger and I'm sitting here, hey, man, watch this. Watch Ed. Watch Arnold. Watch this. Watch that. He's like, "Eh, I don't want to watch this shit. I want to watch the cartoons I like. Um, So I've really got to go back and sit down and watch the entire series. It's been at least I want to say at least five or six years since I've watched the entire series in its entirety. And like you were saying, everything kind of blends in. It's not like it used to be where you'd watch an episode and then they give you a little recap the following week. Whenever you're just bam, 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 just episode after episode after episode, it's like, it's all a blur. You remember the highs and lows, but when it comes to like little details, like where did they go to get here? How did they get from there to there? It's just like, shit. 
can't remember. I wish my brain worked a little bit better than it does. Well, now, now that we're talking about it, it's sort of coming back. I remember the episode where, where Ed Singleton was mad the whole day. And then they found out at the end, he had a rock in his shoe. <laughs> we were always looking for little ideas, like, like small stories, right? Um, I'm trying to remember, Linda had a, a saying about that, where, where she said, other, other shows have complicated situations and simple characters. We want to have complicated characters in simple situations. That's a fantastic way to look at it because there's so many shows that you watch now are just so convoluted. Like you've got to, you've got to have like four Bibles just for one character to get to where they're going to, or find out why they do what they do. And when you really break it down, you, a character is not two dimensional. I say this all the time. A character is not really two dimensional, whether it's animated two dimensional or it's CGI and it's 3d or it's, it's live. It's not two dimensional. And Shrek said it best when they're walking through the fields and shit like that. And then he's looking at Donkey. I'm sure you've seen Shrek, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. So he pulls over. He's like, ogres are like onions. And then Donkey's like, they smell? He's like, yes, no. Onions have, or he's like, ogres have layers. And he breaks over an onion and he's just popping the layers of an onion off. That's what I see when I see a show that was so fantastic, like the Ed Boys, man. It's not just single Ed. He's dumb, right? He is the lovable teddy bear that's as strong as an ox that will go and do anything and everything for his friends, right? He's also the worst guy you want to meet on the bad day if he's having a bad day. Eddie, right. he's not just a used car salesman. He might do all of this shitty, banky <laughs> shit, but he's got heart to him in the end. It's, it's, it's that, I don't know if it was a movie or a TV show that I saw, but it's like, nobody beats my brother up but me, right? So somebody's out there whooping your brother's ass and like, no, I get to whoop his ass. And you go and beat up the bully because he was beating up your brother. That's what it felt like, even though they were all named Ed. So they had that commonality between them. They were all best friends. So they had that other layer, right? The onion, the fuck, right? So they have all of these other, you know, just extenuating circumstances that are, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting a little choked up on the Ed boys. You got all of these, you know, outside not interferences but these outside um i can't think of the word but these outside influences that's a better word um making them who they are and they all come together right not one is overpowering and everybody like i said has that moment to shine was that something that you guys found difficult or was it like like as far as tying everything in together or making sure everything flows or making sure these guys felt like best friends. Was that difficult at all doing that? I don't think that, no, that wasn't hard. I mean, I've got three brothers, mm -hmm. so uh, I didn't have any problem, you know, dealing with a group of guys yeah. <laughs> that hang out together. Right. Cause we're all a year, my, my brothers and I were all a year apart. Mm -hmm. So you know, it was the same dynamic yeah. uh, with, with the Eds. And uh, yeah, that, that was always kind of fun, I think. But, but like you said, like you were saying about, you know, peeling the layers of the onion, because we never left Peach Creek, right? Mm -hmm. It was just the same characters and we weren't allowed to bring in any characters. Um, you had to really go deep into who they were because there was nowhere else to travel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no aliens coming in, no Bigfoot. You know what I mean? Like you literally just have these people and you got to find something, you know, and all you saw, so all you can do is go inward. 
did you guys ever try to bring in aliens or Bigfoot? Oh yeah. Like, you know, it's funny when the show got popular, Danny would actually get uh, celebrities, really? you know, and, and they would, their agents, you know, would send eight by 10 glossies and say, Hey, so-and-so really likes your show and would love to do a voice, you know, Please and tell Danny, me you put a dick on their foreheads and send it back to them. <laughs> Danny's like, no, nobody's coming on. Thanks. But uh, I love the, the height, <clears throat> excuse me, the height and popularity that this show had. I don't think, well, maybe that's not true. I mean, they might have seen something like that in a sense of maybe Gumball or um, Adventure Time as far as popularity and reach when it came to just getting all these different fans. I fucking love the fact that, and it's going back to what you said, he was just a super old school punk rocker, that he had the wherewithal. He's like, no, nah, man, we're not selling out. We're not just bringing in somebody. Let's just say, I love the guy, but let's just say Ryan Gosling. We're not going to bring in Ryan Gosling because Ryan Gosling's a fan. Ryan Gosling's trending right now, even though Twitter wasn't really around back then. He's trending on Twitter right now. So let's bring him in. I love the fact that you guys kept this, and I hate this term, grassroots, right? You build from within or homegrown is another term that is just, ah, it's overused. It's, it, it's one of those words that's like lit, fire, fleek, all these things that these kids are using these days. It's just, it's annoying. But in the sense that I have to use it, it, it works right here. So you guys took everything around you right it's like a chef he goes and looks in the pantry i've got to make something delicious with what i have here you guys did the same thing i got to make right. something interesting about these characters what can i do and when it forces you and i think it probably a good thing i'm not a writer you are you might be able to tell me a little bit better it's, I mean, a, it's a great analogy though oh go, go, into, go into your pantry and make a dish and then go in again and the next day make a different dish from the same ingredients. And you've yeah. got to keep like you think how how, you know, your brain's going to be after the hundredth dish <laughs> from the same ingredients. I mean, I got to imagine it's like it, it's like that locomotive you were talking about, that train. I got to imagine that motherfucker's not missing a stop. It's not making any stops. You either get on this son of a bitch or you're getting run over in the process. So I got to imagine by the time you get to that hundredth episode, you know, it, it's just just steaming along at that point because you guys know where you're at. You know the characters. I mean, it, it goes into the same thing when you got somebody. Did you ever watch Breaking Bad? My, my wife watched it more than me. I, I sat in on a few episodes, but yeah, I don't know it that well. Oh, man, you got to get I, I just I finally talked my wife and she's the same way. Like whenever we're watching something, it's very hard because she likes stuff that grosses me the fuck. I, I have I have no problem breaking down a fish, a cow, a pig. No problem whatsoever. My wife loves doctor shows, whether they're real oh. or fake. I made the mistake. Uh, I can't remember what we were eating last week, but she was watching a doctor show and they had uh, somebody's head open and it wasn't a real one. It was one of the fake ones. So it's obviously fake, but I, I still can't stomach it. My, we were eating spaghetti of all fucking things to eat while you're watching somebody get their brain worked on. I'm eating spaghetti, right? Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I don't know what's going on. I just got out of work long fucking day, hungry as shit. I got a huge spoonful of spaghetti in my mouth. And then I just happened to look up and then somebody's brain is pulsating because they're having an aneurysm. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm trying to get up and get out of the way. But nonetheless, right? So how I get her to watch the same shows I watch, because we watch very different things. That's why I told you about my barfing story, yeah. um, is 
like I'll put something on and she's like, ah, that's not my, that's not my type of thing. And I'll just let it go. I won't say anything. And then I like, occasionally she'll look up from her phone and then she'll eventually put her phone down. And then she's eventually sitting back like this. And she's just, you know, getting more and more comfortable. Cause I was like, Oh, I thought this wasn't the shows you like. And she's like, no, nah, we can watch this one. This one's pretty good. So finding shows for us to watch collectively together are fantastic. However, sit down with your wife and watch this show. But the reason I bring up that point was breaking bad was the same sense as, the Ed Boys, right? So you guys have this pool that you have to pull from or this this yeah community pool that you have to pull ideas from and put back in, enhance and fortify the characters, right? But then you mm-hmm. get a spinoff and I'm hoping you guys get a spinoff or at least a revival for the Ed Boys. I would fucking love it, right? But the showrunner yeah. and the creator, Vince Gilligan, went and did Better Call Saul, which I thought was an amazing show already, but they already had this established character from the other show. They already had the Bible for this character. So I feel like they would have hit a, I feel like this show was a lot better than the original Breaking Bad because they had already knew where they were at. They already knew where they were going, excuse me, and they already knew where they wanted to go, right? So they had a sense of where this character was going to grow, where he was going to evolve, and where he was possibly going to de-evolve and then make something better, you know, if you will. And I feel like you guys did the same exact thing where you guys were hitting such a stride by the end of the show from, from episode one to every special you guys did to the final episode, which when those credits roll, and it's not like it's anything crazy or anything special, but when those credits roll, and you know it's the last episode of this series, and you look at the first episode you guys did, like I said, with all the specials, and you look at the last episode, you know, some things changed the animation, but there's one thing that never really changed. And that was, like I said, what you guys did with these characters. You guys enhanced and fortified those characters within that cul-de-sac. You guys made it into something stronger than a cul-de-sac. You know, it's just, it just goes to show. And what I'm eventually boiling down and saying is I'm giving you a swan song. I know you won't admit it, Jono. You're a very humble guy. But what you guys did was super. I haven't seen it done since is essentially what I'm getting at. And it's just a testament to you and Danny and Mike and Jim and all of these other guys. And there's hundreds of people that have worked on the show in a sense that from top to bottom, anything that goes into work in a show, um, I obviously couldn't name them all because it'd just be one episode for naming all those guys. So don't take it personal if I didn't mention your name. I'm just pulling names out at this point. Um, It just goes to show you like how great, you guys were and are at this job. And I got to imagine that not only the atmosphere that you were not forced to work in, because it makes it sound like Danny was holding you hostage and saying, you will write here, you're chained to your desk. And that's not what I mean, but you were forced to adapt, right? You were forced to overcome. And it's not like you know, anybody held you down or chained you to a desk or anything like that, but you were forced to come out of your shell or out of your comfort zone um, yeah. and, and really produce something. Do you feel and I got to imagine the answer is yes, but I got to ask because I want to. Do you feel like that made you a better writer? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. The whole experience gave me, you know, what I would even consider a leg up on other writers. Mm-hmm. Um, all, you know, not just because you see the whole process, yeah. but it is really important to sit there as a, a writer and see all the other departments doing their work. Mm-hmm. from the colorist to the timer um, to, to the, I mean, obviously the storyboards, right? Like at, at AKA, we didn't write scripts at first. The only season that had scripts was the final season. Um, yeah, we, we did three page outlines. Holy shit. That's what, 
That's what we wrote was a three page single space outline. And that's what was given to the board artist because Danny wanted a show that was driven by the artwork, right? Not the writing. You know, if you're, if you're on a show like Simpsons or South Park, right? The animation is almost kind of secondary yeah. and, and it's, it's the writing that's out front, you know? And uh, he wanted, you know, it's a cartoon. So it's done by cartoonists and animators, not writers, you know? <laughs> like he used to always say, this isn't an animated sitcom. This is a cartoon, right? <laughs> I wanted to differentiate those things, right? Those are two different types what's of show. The, what's the difference? Is it just because if an animated sitcom is story driven and then a cartoon is animated driven? Well, or? Yeah, you're, you're not in an animated sitcom. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, why is this animated? You know, if, if you look at like King of the Hill or something, like, why is that a cartoon? You're not taking it, or even The Simpsons. I mean, The Simpsons a bit, they, but it's like, if you're not taking advantage of the art form, mm -hmm. then why do it as a cartoon? <laughs> you know? I, that's, I never thought about it that way. That's how, you know, he thought about it. I mean, he's a traditional animator, right? And, you know, this. it was cell-painted. Ed's was a cell-painted yeah. show, right? No computers. I, I can show you, uh, where's... I think I mentioned I got lots of. Oh yeah, we got, got a, we got some props, ladies and gentlemen. We got some. Uh, this is an AKA T-shirt, and as you can see, fuck digital a, draw. That's what I'm talking about. Exactly, and that's like you know one of Danny's creeds. You know, is uh, draw right. So, and uh, he he wanted the human element, right? Yeah. So um, I can't remember where we were going with this question. Um, uh, it's perfectly. We were uh, we were talking about the hand painted cells and then props, um, and then uh, if you if there's no reason, if you're asking yourself why is this animated, King of the Hill, Simpsons, and all that other stuff, then, then why do it as an animated sitcom? It's not an animated sitcom. It was a cartoon. Right, right. So the Eds was very much a cartoon, mm -hmm. and so once the outline was handed off to the board artists, the board artists would do a first pass at their storyboard. And then the storyboard would be presented to the whole studio. Yeah. There'd be these big cork boards on wheels and the board artists would pin up all the panels. Mm -hmm. And then the whole studio, like, and I mean the whole studio, like even the receptionist, you know, <laughs> anybody who was there, like everybody, got together and sat there while the two board artists went through their board and said, okay, this happens. And then Eddie does this and he says this, and they had a pointer, right? We had a pointer <laughs> and they would literally go walk the whole studio through the storyboard. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the presentation, everybody would bitch and complain and rip it apart. <laughs> And they'd have their spirits crushed, right? <laughs> and uh, and they'd take notes, right? You know, like people would say, "I lost, I lost the plot here at this scene over here. Like, why are they doing this? I yeah. don't understand, <laughs> right?" And they'd have to take notes, and then they'd go away and redo the board, right? Mm -hmm. And that process would get repeated, 
until it started getting good. Yeah. And uh, there'd be revisions and revisions of the board panels. And then once the board was final, then Danny would sit with the board and he would write all the dialogue. So all that crazy dialogue that you hear in the Ed shows, I mean, that's Danny writing on underneath the board panels, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's how it got done. So everybody's got their color for pens, markers, what have you. Um, you remember what Danny's color would have, I've, I've just heard different stories about people. You always knew like if, uh, let's just say David Feist, and he didn't, he didn't, he didn't say what color his was, but he was like, just say, for instance, Julian, he liked writing in pink. So you knew in notes, if they were in pink, they'd be from Julian. He knew not to fuck with that guy because he's the creator of this type of thing. Did Danny have a specific color or did he ever write on the storyboards or just act stuff off? Oh, was it oh yeah. Danny, Danny would write on everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would write on the, uh, on the outlines. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm assuming his color would be red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he would, yeah, he would write on the outlines and he would write on the storyboards, like post-it notes. Would he ever say some, this is shit? I got to imagine just somebody like that, he'd just be like, fuck this, or this is shit and circle it a few times. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, some of the board guys saved their post-its that he put on. Uh, some of them were, um, reconsider career I think, <laughs> was one uh, post-it um oh jesus christ <laughs> an- another one was uh quit drawing with your mouth holy shit <laughs> um i think that's all i can remember it at, right now but <laughs> that that is fantastic <laughs> mike was mike was telling me the story um he was and I'm pretty sure you've heard it. I, I, I know he told it on my episode, but he might have uh, told it on the Christmas one we did too. Um, but he was saying, uh, I, think his, I think his daughter was going to soccer, a soccer game, and he had a whole bunch of the parents um, from his daughter's soccer team in there, as well as some of the players, right? So he's driving up front and uh, the kids of, you know, of the friends' kids and all that other stuff knew that he worked on Ed, Ed and Eddie. And a lot of the parents didn't know he was one of the writers for Ed, Ed and Eddie. So they were talking and then the show came up somehow. And I can't remember how he, how he started it up, but he was like, yeah, they started talking about it. And then he was, he was talking about how the lady he was given a ride to a soccer game, right. Out of the kindness of his heart was shitting all over Ed, Ed and Eddie and saying how horrible it was of a show. And then he he was like, (laughs) I kept looking, looking up in the rear view to look at my kid. And then the kids just back there shaking her head, (laughs) but he was that led into the story, and the only reason I, I brought this up is because you're talking about the post-it notes that Danny would uh, write, and then people would keep. He said you guys had an outstanding, outstanding was the word, um, hate mail uh, like board or or yeah. bag. You guys would pin up, um, and I tried to see if he would be interested in doing if he had any of the letters left. Um, which I highly doubt he did. I would save them just because I want them all laminated and put them on a refrigerator. Um, but I was interested. You ever seen the thing like mean tweets where celebrities will go and read me? Oh tweets? yeah. Yeah. So I was hoping that he would have something along those lines, but he's like, no, nah, I don't really, I don't really uh, have too many of them. He's like, I remember a couple of them and I can't remember the stories he told me for those ones. But with that being said, do you remember any specific hate mail that you might've received or that the studio received that was directed either at you or something that you might've written? 
there I don't think there was anything directed at the writers. Just all <laughs> I, <don't, Annie. laughs> I don't think a lot of a lot of parents didn't like the boiling line, you know, the outline really? of the ads because it was called a boiling line because it was an irregular yeah. uh, ink, mm -hmm. ink line, because it was hand inked, right, on each yeah. cell. And uh, what would ha happen is that when it animated, the lines would like wobble. Yeah. And some people didn't like this. But interesting, it. interestingly, we actually got letters from some parents who had autistic children. Mm -hmm. And they said, thank you for making this show because for whatever reason, my son or my daughter who doesn't engage with the world loves this show yeah. and we can all sit down on the couch and watch it and have this beautiful moment together. Like, and I think it was the boiling line that somehow grabbed, grabbed their, their grabbed their attention. And uh, we had a couple kids from the Make-A-Wish Foundation come um, and as far as hate mail goes, I remember, I mean, the only one I remember is, uh, when Rod Philbrandt, Rod Philbrandt did the background design mm -hmm. and, uh, the, in the junkyard, I think there was a car and, uh, as a joke, right. He put six, six, six as the license <laughs> plate. <laughs> And uh, we got all these religious people saying, you know, I really like your show. And why is this license plate have the devil's number on it or something? And, and we're just, Danny like, just oh. holding up metal sign. Like, fuck yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I do remember that. I remember letters. I remember letters because of that license plate. That That's fantastic. And, and like I said, I always like when you guys come on and share stories like that, because I never knew. Obviously, I'm not autistic, so I didn't understand. I loved the boy. I, I didn't. What you said it was a boiling, boiling uh, line. They boiling line. It. I think that's fantastic because I always noticed it, and I thought that was what gave the show charm. Because for me, looking at it, it's a character, and it's not supposed to move like a human does, right? So our hands move one way. If it were to move the opposite way, it'd be it'd look weird. It'd feel weird. But these are cartoon characters. So nothing should be perfect or symmetrical or, you know, with well, to an extent. There, there was actually a reason for it. Danny, Danny wanted it because he felt that like kids have tons of energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they can't, they can't sit still. Yeah. And he, he wanted that sense of contained, like, like energy. Of kid. And, yeah. 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 It, it, it's it's so fantastic and that's one of the things that I, I loved about it because it wasn't like anything else everything else was very uh, let me just get a book right so everything was very flat or not flat in a sense I guess everything had a defined line it was kept within a box right so yeah. it, within that animation you had all of these lines keeping their character in for me it always felt like their character like you were saying like their emotion or their energy was coming out that's what it felt like watching it, it was like all of these emotions or all of this character in a character was boiling over it was boiling out it was them being them they weren't contained just within this solid black line that goes around every outline of every character defining the character and their shape and their look and everything like that so that's what i loved about it and to just to know that that it, it gave a kid that has autism something that and i might get shit for this but they felt i don't want to say they felt normal but they felt like 
I get this. I understand this. This resonates with me. This means something. And the fact that they got to share that with their fucking parents. And most people don't sit down and watch the same shit their kids watch. I'm super lucky because he watches a lot of cool shit. I watch a lot of cool shit. And we watch a lot of cool shit together, right? I can only imagine the stress or how you would feel like an outsider, I guess, as a parent, if you couldn't connect with your kid because of something like autism. And there's nothing wrong with somebody that has autism. That's not what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen. It's just there's a hurdle in the way for parents and their kids to connect because there's something that just it it doesn't feel right to them. Right. So to know that it goes one step further and you guys brought in a crowd, at least a few people, at least all it takes is just one for me to fucking feel that good. And I got goosebumps when you were telling me that these kids that have, you know, a mental disability that were able, and like I said, I'm not saying normal in a sense that this is bad to have. I'm just saying normal in a sense that we can communicate and we're lucky to be able to communicate as, as easily and as frequently as we do. We don't have some of the hurdles that everybody else has to, has to, or across the burden or some, or across the bear, right? So don't fucking sit here and roast me for this stupid shit. I've had a few comments there people have said oh you shouldn't say that word you shouldn't do this i'm like shut up bitch just listen to the episode and know that nothing is coming out of malice or hate but the fact that you guys took it one step further and you had make a wish foundation kids coming in and you had all of these people that were able to feel like they belonged or they felt like they had purpose or they felt like something that they could connect to that somebody else could connect to and they could find common ground and that's what's so fucking great about cartoons and what you guys do I mean, you guys, like I've said, I told you at at, at the Christmas special, you guys take something that is flat, that has no life, that has no soul, that has no character, no pun intended. And you guys give it heart. You guys give it soul. You give it character. You guys build something that's flat and it becomes three dimensional. You guys take something that is an idea that probably came from... (laughs) The fucking brothers grunt where these guys were albinos shitting on the MTV logo and getting flushed down a drain. It all started somewhere. And like I said, what you guys did was special. I don't think what you guys did is is ever brought up enough. Right. And that's why I like reaching out to you and Mike. And I'm so thankful that you guys reached back out. And, and enjoyed coming on and talking to me and actually wanted to come on and talk to me. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And like I said, you won't say it because you're a super humble guy, but what you guys did was phenomenal. And I don't think Cartoon Network will ever do it again, at least to the level it was done. So what I'm saying is, Jono, hats off to you, man. This is your swan song. This is your clap. This is your standing ovation, man. We couldn't get to where we got to without people like you and people like Mike and people like Joel and people like Danny and people like Big Jim. We couldn't do that without you, man. And I, like I said, I really love this show. Um, as we're starting to wrap up here, trying to not get a little teary eyed, you know, getting all this shit off my chest and being emotional and shit. Um, like I said, this show just meant so much to me growing up. Oh, that's um, cool. And that's, that's uh, the power of character. That, that's exactly what it is, man. Like I said, you guys really took something and it's going to sound stupid. Like I said, two dimensional made it three dimensional. And, and it couldn't, it couldn't have happened at least not to the level that I've loved it without people like you, man. Um, so some of the stuff that we talked about before we hit that record button that you're working on that you can't talk about this time, at least to an extent for who you're working with, who you're working on. Um, you brought up final space, man. You want to talk about that for just a few? Oh yeah. I'm not working on uh, final space, but, 
I am working with the company that does the animation. Okay. Um, it's called Jamfield in Ottawa. And, and uh, we've been working on um, show ideas for a few years now. Okay. And we actually did sell one to Amazon. Okay. And uh, we were developing it uh, with Amazon. And uh, then Amazon shut down their kid original kids productions. So we were like, oh. <laughs> so we're still working on, we're working on like three shows right now. Um, so cross your fingers, you know, I'd love to get another show that I like co-created mm -hmm. because when you're working for other people, you're working for somebody else's sensibilities yeah. and, you know, maybe their level of quality isn't as high as yours. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that. A lot of the work that I do is, you know, people have a lower level of what's good, you know, across the board. Yeah. And uh, it's depressing, really, when you're working on it and you're like, this could be so much better, but okay, we'll just do it like this. You know what I mean? And well, that just goes to show how much, ladies and gentlemen, this is what heart looks like right here. There's nothing worse than fucking getting signed on to do something, going to work somewhere. And then everybody's just like, all right, man, this is uh, good enough for me. Good enough for them. Yeah. <laughs> you, you really see, and I can't remember who said it, but somebody had said it. And I think it might've been Ricky from one of my old, old podcasts. Um, but he was like, man, I'm doing this shit for passion, not for profit. And I'm not saying it's not okay to get paid. But what I'm saying is, is when you right. take something and you got heart into it, right? You take something that you want to be the best, it will always beat out those people that are okay with settling for mediocrity when it comes down to it if yeah. you're okay with man it's all right good enough for me good enough for them that should never ever utter out of somebody's mouth especially in the creative field like yours man so i'm really glad people like you still exist with that mindset and that passion um speaking speaking of mediocrity here's a this is a, every christmas aka sent out a a gift okay to it's friends. And this is uh, one uh, Christmases. This is a, a wooden box, as you can see, the AKA logo. And it says, uh, in case of mediocrity, uh, break case right down here. Uh -huh. Can you see that? Yeah. <laughs> and then you open it up. And you got an <laughs> AKA beer and a pencil and an opener. That is fantastic. We always had lots of, Danny always made sure to put in some, uh, some fabulous Christmas gifts. This is, you know, here we got an AKA condom. <laughs> I thought it was matches. I didn't know it was a condom. <laughs> no, no, it's a condom. And of course it's a beyond seven. Um, this dude is fantastic. <laughs> what else do we got here? I don't know. I got all, I brought lots of props. I think I mentioned. Yeah, man. Let's start showing off some of those props. Okay. This, this was a cartoon network, uh, promo item. It was, uh, there's jawbreakers inside. Okay. I don't know if you ever seen the Ed brand jawbreakers. No, I did not. Um, as a gift, people on the show also got a cell. That's a beautiful. So that's an actual Ed and Eddie cell from Korea. I guess it was Yason that did the animation. 
I know you said AKA was doing the animation up there in uh, what would you say Vancouver, right? For the for the Ed Boys and everything. No, the animation was done in Korea. Okay, so they did the animation, they painted everything as well, and then shipped it back over. Yeah. What was the lead time on something like that? I can't remember. Okay. Uh, it was always interesting to get the animation because sometimes stuff would be like wrong, you know? <laughs> and uh, I think there were several cases where Danny left mistakes in the show because they were so hilarious. Um, but yeah, that was always a fun moment when the animation came. We all sit around, right? And, and watch it without sound or without voices, but you'd still watch the animation. So when, when something like that would come in, would they wait? Because I got to imagine it's a shit ton of money to ship everything over there. So would they ship out a, like a, just a, a bunch of stuff and then you guys would get just boxes and boxes back? Or how would it come back to you guys? Oh, I, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I was privy to any of that information. Like I never saw the stuff that went out or how it came back or or, or when, or anything like that. But I remember there was a guy who was our liaison in Korea. I believe his name is Sheldon. Ah, forgetting his name right now. Anyway, he, he was our point guy over there. And uh, yeah, the boards, you know, the boards would get sent when they were final and then animation would come back and sells, right? Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another uh, AKA Christmas item. Uh, this says, in case of procrastination, smack and snap. <laughs> Let's see what's inside. It is a paddle and a camera. So you're supposed to smack your ass and then take a photo. <laughs> Merry Christmas, right? He's put, some, he's put some real thought into these things, though. Oh, yes. <laughs> so as we as we tend to do when we start winding down uh -huh. i always try to ask some variation of the same question i'm going to ask you um and it probably came up um but i for sure i know it came up but it made it came up in a sense that it was a christmas themed question um but at the end of the day man when you sit back right and you're sitting back and you're thinking about everything you've done not just so much for your job but specifically for the ed boys right you played in that playground, safe to say, longer than any other playground or sandbox you played in? Yep. Okay. So yep. when you sit back and you really think about everything you accomplished, everything you did, everything you said about everybody in Peach Creek, right? What are some of the first thoughts, emotions, or what comes to the forefront of your mind when you really think about everything you did when you worked on at Ed and Eddie? Well, I think more about the production of it mm -hmm. than the actual show. I mean, I know that the fans, like the fans see the show. Mm -hmm. They don't see the production. Yeah. But the, the people that are making the show primarily see the production. And sometimes when the show is on, they're like, oh, you know, <laughs> I'm so done with it. You know, like I can't even look at it. Um, so. I mean, I'm sort of fixated on the on the production yeah. side of that question. And I mean, obviously, Ed and Eddie is a show that I'm proud to have worked on. Mm -hmm. And I can't say that 
about many other shows <laughs> that I've worked on. Not that I'm not proud. You know, there are other ones I'm proud of I've worked on too. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ed and Eddie is the one I'm most proud of working on. And that's because of the level of quality that Danny demanded from everybody, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I'm sure Mike has told you how many drafts. Oh, yeah that we would do of stories, like like literally from zero, like mm-hmm. take, take this outline you guys wrote and throw it out and start from scratch and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again. And, you know, there was a time where I was like, why are we doing this, you know? But then I slowly caught on that you're trying to find something original. You're mm-hmm. trying to find a story that hasn't been told or you're telling a story in a way that hasn't been told before. Yeah. You're always trying to break new ground, mm-hmm. always. You never mail it in, right? You never mail in a drawing. It's quality, 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 you know? And I'm sure if I was at a voice record, I would see the voice actors doing a line 20 times, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, right? I never sat in on a record. I heard Matt I bet that happened. Oh, I heard yeah. I heard Matt talking about it. He was like, I need more. I think I think the term he said was, and I haven't listened to that one in a couple of weeks, but he's like, I need more. And he was like, Well, what do you need more of? And he's like, I don't know. I need more Ed. And then he talked about uh, the microphone was up, and then he was like, you know, he does his voice. He's like, How do I get water out of this thing? Or, or something along those lines. And then Danny looked at him and he was like, that's it. That's what I need. I need more of that. Right. So he was like, I was just doing line after line. He would tell me what to read. I would read it and I would think that that's what he wanted, but it's not what he really wanted. And he was like, working with him was one of the best things to do because he kept pulling, not greatness out of me, but he kept pushing me to like what you said, don't mail it in, don't phone it in a hundred percent, 110% each time. If it's good enough for you, Take a look back and get the fuck out because you're going to have to do it over. You need the best each time. It's not going to be, oh, it's good enough for me, good enough for them. I want the best that you got every single time. And it really pushes innovation. And like I said, it made you, I got to assume, the best writer you could be. It gave you that mindset where you could say, like, all right, man, uh, if you're okay with this, this is all bullshit. You know, I'm writing on this thing for you guys. We could do better if you listen to me or if we actually, you know, tried or cared or, you know, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth at this point. But I see yeah. that same mindset because you see when somebody gives a shit about what they do, it's refreshing. It's nice because it's not just I'm just here for a paycheck. I'm just going to do whatever they ask, fly under the radar. You know, I really want to progress. I want to get better at my craft. I want to master my craft. I want to be this. Yeah. That. Well, a lot of it, a lot of it is because of the schedule, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the people who are putting money into the show and the producers and stuff, they want a show delivered, you know, bang, 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 like a production line. Mm -hmm. And Danny was always like, this is not a factory, right? Because there's a lot of studios that turn into like factories and they just churn out, you know, show, 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 you know, it's like an assembly line, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not greatness. It's not art, right? You can't make art in a factory. So like, you know, we blew a lot of deadlines on it and it, like a lot, a lot of schedules, you know, and air dates, <laughs> you know, like I'm sure you must have tuned in and been like, hey, this is last week's episode. Yeah, I, was, airing. Yeah. I was just happy to see it 
whenever it was on. Uh, and like I said, I right. it, it just like I said, it just goes to show you, man. Like if it's not good for you guys, it's not going to be good for the audience. So we want to give them, we want to go that extra mile, right? You can't really say that about everything, right? But we can say that about the Ed Ed and Eddie or the Ed yes. Boys. It sounded like I'm saying. It's like the Facebook, you know, you sound really old when you put the in front of things that shouldn't have the, right? So yeah, it was the Ed and Eddie. Made it sound very, very stupid, John. You should have called me out and told me I was an idiot. Keep trying or find new career. That's what you should have said. Send me that in a post-it note. <laughs> post-it um, note. Yeah, but nonetheless, man, I really, really appreciate it. I got to, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to cut this one short. Actually, we've been going for almost an hour and a half, man. Yeah, yeah I was just saying, we're, I was just looking, going, oh my God, an hour and a half. Yeah, it, it goes by quick, man, when you're having fun. At least I had fun. I hope you had fun, too. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah, man, like I said, I can't say it enough. I can't. I won't. I will never not say it, man. Thank you for making my childhood fun. Thank you for making my adulthood even better. And thank you for giving me and my son and my future son, because we're going to be having a son here in June, July time frame. So I'm going to have another one. Yeah, thank you. So I'm going to have another one to introduce, indoctrinate with the Ed boys, yes. man. And for that man, I'll forever be grateful. Where can people go to find you on social media? If they want to check out what's John doing these days, where can I find his new shows whenever they get greenlit, when they will get greenlit? I tend to like hide in the shadows. <laughs> I'm not one of these self promotional type of folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I'm only on Facebook. I tend to keep my cards, you know, close to my close chest. To and, yeah. and I, and I never, uh, you know, mention anything I'm doing unless I feel like, yeah, I can get behind this. You know, I'm proud of this. I'm going to put my name on this and get it out there. So well, there's, that's why I don't, people don't hear from me. <laughs> there's one thing you can guarantee that it will always be great. And that's what Jonna was doing with Mike and Danny and all those other names that I mentioned. And a lot of the names I didn't mention, go check out the Ed Boys, man. And then check out. Just Google Jono, man. You might be able to find something because somebody else is out there promoting Jono for him. Uh, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you can go out there and find him. Thank you again for taking the time for me. I can't wait to do this again. He's been Jono. I've been Julian. This has been the What's in My Head podcast, and we're out of time. This show should always go to tell you, man, meet your heroes because they're always just great. Bye-bye, guys. Thanks. Thanks again for checking out the What's in My Head podcast. If you're digging what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating. That will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, tell a friend, and I'll see you guys and gals next week. Good night.